you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. It's Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we should probably cut down on our screen time. Uh, it's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. And uh, here we are. We are officially four days into the new year. Uh, has it settled in? Has it sunk in yet that the fantasy season is pretty much over now? It is starting to because... Uh, you could attest to this, Marcus, for, for, you know, months we get excited for it. And then for 17 weeks, it is literally is life for us. And like, there's a set schedule <laughs> and this is the first week where things are different routine wise. And my body's kind of letting me know like, yeah, you're, you're, a break is needed. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much at that point too. I will say this. It was very nice to uh, be able to squeeze in a workout this morning before we started doing the podcast. Uh, you know, not knowing, knowing that I don't have to necessarily spend late nights, uh, grinding stats and pouring over like next gen or anything like that. Like, you know, it's, it's fun in the moment, but like you said, it's always nice to kind of have a break too <laughs> at some point, uh, at the end of the season too. So, um, we got some things to talk about. We are in the midst of our season recap on Tuesday. We did the things that were good today. We'll do the things that were bad next week. We'll get into the WTFs, the things that didn't really make a whole lot of sense and try to figure out how real or not. Some of those things were also, We'll give you a DFS preview because we know some of you out there are still sweating through the final game of the regular season. So uh, we'll give you some value picks if you are still playing daily fantasy. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to give you our daily lineups for the week as well. Um, we're going to start with news, but there's really no news happening right now. I mean, unless you consider Carson Wentz starting to be news. I don't know how that excites you at all. Nope. <laughs> okay, good enough. <laughs> So let's dive into the things that sort of went sideways uh, with the fantasy season in 2024. And the first thing that came into my mind was generally the first round of drafts. Uh, you know, at the time, we, we always spent so much time doing mock drafts and talking about guys who are going to be first round picks and who's going to be the number one overall and on and on and on. Uh, this year, the first round was not good, Mike. I mean, there, there were standouts. I mean, look. Christian McCaffrey was amazing. He gave you first round value and then some. CeeDee Lamb went late in the first round. He was the wide receiver one. He was phenomenal down the stretch. I mean, I, I looked it up. Uh, what CeeDee Lamb did from weeks uh, eight through 17, that stretch alone would have been good to make him the wide receiver seven for the whole season. Like, that's how amazing he was. Right? It's mind blowing. But there were so many other things that sort of went sideways. You, you got injuries like Justin Jefferson. You know, Jamar Chase was hurt. Joe Burrow was hurt. Uh, some of these things I'm wondering if we should see come, should have seen coming, or or was it just bad luck with what happened in the first round this year? Uh, I think it's circumstantial. Like if you had Justin Jefferson, that's bad luck. The dude is still going to put up over a thousand yards despite all the time that he missed, despite his QB one going down. You. Jamar Chase, maybe there were signs late in the summer when we were like, Joe Burrow's hurt, but Joe Burrow 
played until a new injury happened and hampered him. So bad luck with that one. Like Tyreek Hill was, you made the right call if you took Tyreek Hill in the first round. I know it didn't work out in the fantasy playoffs, but you made the right call uh, there with him. So any ones like that where it's injury related, I think is bad luck. And it's something that you just kind of kind of chalk up to. Hey, football's a violent game. There's always a risk of injury. But the the other ones like Travis Kelsey is not bad luck. Um, He kind of I don't want to say he's falling off a cliff, but. I don't foresee myself drafting him at a high cost uh, next year, just in case that one, there was really no signs of decline for Travis Kelsey. B. John Robinson, you could say uh, we should have known that Arthur Smith was going to do this, but <laughs> talent wise, everything wise, our eyes are telling us that B. John is a first round cap talent. Uh, Saquon Barkley. There, I guess there were some signs because of the offense he plays in. Stephon Diggs, there was no sign of, and for yeah. nine weeks, it looked like you made the right choice. So the one first-round pick that maybe we could have seen the fall-off coming was Austin Eckler, I think, because new offensive coordinator, stuff like that. But a lot of this, I think, is uh, is a reminder that it, it is tough to predict the future and what other people are going to do. That's what I always tell people, like it is hard predicting the future. I, I, I say to people a lot that since I started doing this job, uh, I gained a newfound appreciation for meteorologists, right? Like your weather people on your local news. Now, maybe not in Los Angeles, because it's pretty easy to predict the weather in Los <laughs> Angeles. Like, hey, man, the sun's going to be out and it's probably going to be around 75 degrees. Like that's that's pretty it's pretty much an easy gig. Uh, but like in other places that have like actual weather where it's hard, <laughs> like uh, I respect what those folks do because it is hard to predict the future. Um, you mentioned a few names, though, that I thought really stood out this season. Um, you mentioned Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley. Uh, these guys, I think, are in particularly precarious situations, right? Because they've had a lot of wear and tear. They've had some injury issues, especially Barkley in his career. Eckler was beat up a little bit this year and had a lot of touches. But both of them are hitting free agency this year, too. And, um, you know, there was a whole lot that happened last offseason. You had uh, running backs getting on conference calls or Zooms talking about how they can maximize their value and maybe uh, up their contract status and uh, that sort of thing. We know guys don't get paid at this position, right? And, and the whole argument about whether or not they should, that's a different conversation. Just the reality is they aren't getting paid. They're getting older. They've had a lot of touches. When you look at Eckler and Saquon Barkley, have we seen the last of them as top 10 fantasy running backs? I think we have seen the last of them getting drafted as top 10 running backs. It wouldn't surprise me if one of them finishes next year as like a top 10, because a lot of, especially in like total points, that often comes down to who stays healthy uh, and who doesn't. But the one, and you could call me a homer here uh, in a sense, the one that I feel best about is Austin Eckler. That's been my guy for years, and I'm not going to shy away from it because he can still catch the ball at a high rate out of the backfield. He can still produce as a goal line runner. We know that. I am not convinced that this high ankle sprain that he suffered early in the year hasn't contributed to this being a down year for him because I know with running backs, the, the fall off is, is steep, but there was... Not a whole lot in his profile that that pointed to a season like this coming uh, for Eckler. For Saquon, uh, he's so good in real life, but he's always banged up. He's always fighting injuries. And in fact, I, I just pulled up. He's three times in his now six years has finished as a top 10 running back on a per game basis. Like 
at some point we got to be like, okay, Saquon, we know he's awesome. Our eyes tell us that, but it just hasn't led to the same type of fantasy production that we thought it would. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know how much of that is the offense. I mean, maybe some of it is, um, you know, just, it feels like he's got to do so much for the giants to be successful. And he's got to do so much for him to be successful and that maybe his playing style sort of leads to him uh, suffering more injuries than he normally would in any given week. I, I think for Eckler, I don't know where he goes that will allow him to do what he was doing for the Chargers. I mean, he really was dominating the snaps and the touches. Uh, he was so good catching the football. He was such a touchdown monster for the previous two or three years. Maybe not this year, but the previous two or three years. And that had so much to do with his production. And I struggle to see anywhere he could go that's going to give him that sort of workload. I, I would love for him to, to bounce back. I said this on Fantasy Live uh, earlier in the week that he's one of us, right? I mean, that's why that's part of why we love him. Part of it is that his production. Part of it is that, like, we know he's sweating it out with us. He's setting a lineup and he's doing waivers and, and he's kind of watching and, uh, and he's playing along with us. And so I think for that, we all sort of have a, a different level of respect for him. And so I would love to see him be successful but I do think that we've seen the last of him as a top 10 back for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Saquon has another burst in there somewhere, if he can find a way to stay healthy, especially if he stays with the Giants, which, you know, I don't think is a ridiculous idea. Um, if he could stay with the Giants, he could stay with a workhorse uh, workload. Maybe he pops in another top 10 season if he can stay healthy. I think I think for Eckler, that that just might be it because I don't know who's going to pay him. I don't know who's going to give him uh, the same level of touches uh, that that he's getting. And, and I, you know, I, I just don't know that the production's ever going to be there for him again, which kind of hurts my heart, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. Give a shout out to Eckler's podcast and friend of the show, Matt Harmon. Uh, I don't know if you saw, like, I saw a clip from their show like a week or so ago, and Eckler said he'll be back next year. If he gets a good opportunity and he's like, if I get like a practice squad invite, I'm not going to sign up. And I'm like, practice squad. Like, what are we doing here? Right. Like, I can't imagine. (laughs) If that's the case, then I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get a practice squad opportunity. Look, Dalvin Cook, uh, who at times looked cooked this year. uh, I mean, he was at least able to hang on and get a job. You know, I mean, he's at the moment a free agent, but. Uh, I'm sure someone will offer Austin Eckler a contract. It may take a while for him to get a deal. And I'm sure it's not going to be anything close to what he was hoping he would get. Uh, but he still has enough that he's going to get a job somewhere, especially if he's healthy. Uh, you mentioned B. John Robinson. Uh, we, t- we talked about rookies earlier in the week. And one of the things that we both said was that it really is, if you find the right mixture of talent and opportunity, it's going to be great. We know Bijan has the talent. We thought the opportunity was going to be there, right? We're like, hey, look, yeah, Tyler Algier was good, but Bijan's able to beat out Tyler Algier. He's certainly going to beat out Cordero Patterson for touches uh, until he didn't. And, <laughs> and the, the reports right now are that Arthur Smith probably not going anywhere, that he's likely going to be back as the head coach of the Falcons next year. So... In that case, can we believe in Bijan? Certainly not as a first-round pick. Like, I'm not going to pretend that. But, you know, if Bijan's sitting there in, say, the third round and Arthur Smith's still the head coach in Atlanta, do you pull the trigger? Uh, In the third round, I might be tempted. But the issue is I don't – 
I'm not sold that the fantasy community is going to let him fall to the third round because you know how it goes. All summer long, people are convincing themselves of talent wins out and all of that. And that's not like I am washing my hands clean of the Atlanta Falcons. I gave them a (laughs) second chance. Last year, I was saying similar stuff and I gave them a second chance because I was like, they have to change with the change of quarterback. Things have to get. Nope. It was even worse this year. So uh, I, I want no part of it. You know how many weeks Bijan, not on this season, he was drafted as a top five running back this season. You know how many weeks he finished as a top five fantasy running back? Uh, I'm going to say three. Once. Wow. And it's not a Bijan Robinson isn't good or like we all know he's very good. Right. It's just the usage. So for me, um, because not like I, I could see it being a situation, Marcus, where like he finishes as a low end RB one, similar to this year. He's the RB twelve in total points. It, it was not fun having Bijan Robinson for most of the year, mm-hmm. and that's the thing I need to remember next year is like end of year finishes for the Falcons guys don't matter because they'll have a couple of spike weeks, but more often than not, they're gonna you're gonna drive you yourself crazy trying to trust them. So I want no part of that offense if Arthur Smith is still there. Yeah, I mean that's just it. <sighs> But I'm with you. If it, if he's still there in the third round, yeah, I'm taking Bijan. I am. I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna do. I'm that goofy meme, right? Like with the goof, with a weird anger. Like, yeah, I'll do it again. Like that's. It's gonna be me because one, he finished as the RB12, right? If you're getting that in the third round, I think you're okay with it. I do think a lot of the frustration came with everybody taking him with a first round pick. It's it's Kyle Pitts all over again, which is fitting that they're on the same roster, right? We got so excited about Kyle Pitts' talent and the fact that he was going to a place that needed a tight end. And we, we pushed him up and made him a low first round, high second round pick that rookie year. And was the, even his rookie year wasn't bad. He had a thousand receiving yards his rookie year. It just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And Bijan has been the same thing, that he wasn't terrible. He just wasn't what we expected him to be because his coach put a cap on what his production could be. Drake London, too. Yeah, Drake London, same thing. I am curious what the conversation is going to be. Like you mentioned, is everybody going to be like, hey, talent wins out? Or is everybody going to be like, Arthur Smith's going to screw us again? Um, that's going to be a battle this, this offseason. And I, don't, I will say that right now on January 4th, I don't know where I land in that conversation. I have no idea. <sighs> we'll figure that one out. Um, it, that's going to be a big talk about. I saw Matthew Barry basically saying that uh, as long as Arthur Smith is coaching a team, he will not draft players from that team. That's how I'm going to handle it as well, I think. Yeah. I mean, he, he even joked that if Arthur Smith started coaching like the Ottawa Senators, he would stop drafting hockey players uh, <laughs> at that point. I don't even know if he plays fantasy hockey. I have no idea. But uh, that was what he said. Uh, you also mentioned Travis Kelsey. And this year was not a great year for him. Um I'm not going to make any Taylor Swift jokes. I'm just going to leave that alone. But uh, (laughs) was this a bump in the road or is this the beginning of a decline for a player who is starting to get older? If anyone can bounce back from something like this, it is arguably the greatest pass catching tight end in the history of football. But he like you said, he's getting up there in age. He's 34 years old. Next October, he'll be 35. Um. And this year we we it wasn't like oh the raw numbers were bad but everything like he first season since 2015 with under a thousand yards his 
Uh, yards per target was a career low. His yards per game was down. The rate that he was earning targets was down. Like everything across the board that we say is how you should view players and like raw numbers can sometimes lie, but like these met like they're all down. And I, I, I'm only looking like at a glance right now. I, I do plan on at some point in this offseason, like really diving into the Chiefs offense and what went wrong and what could, like what needs to get better and all of that. But for as much as the wide receivers get the blame and, and I get it, they deserve it. But last year they won a Super Bowl with a near sim, very similar wide receiver room. Like no offense to Juju. He's not the difference between the Chiefs this year and what the Chiefs were last year. The difference is the Travis Kelsey fall off. You were able to get by with that receiving room last year because Travis Kelsey was a top five wide receiver just playing a different position. So this year he looked a lot more like a, still a high end tight end, but a lot more like the other high end tight ends. And like Sam Laporta can't be your number one wide receiver on a championship roster. You know, like you need an actual wide receiver when that is the case. So uh, I think it's a big reason why the Chiefs are struggling. And Travis Kelsey, because of name and everything next year, is going to be one of the first tight ends drafted. Uh, I will go with the much younger options in like Laporta, um, Trey McBride and those guys rather than use that, what, third round pick maybe it's going to cost to get a Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think it's probably third round right now is where you're going to have to draft him. I, I do look at it, though, and for all the frustration we had with Kelsey, he was still the tight end, too. Um, he's still, even at 35 years old, even with diminished numbers, even you know looking a little bit slower than he has in the past, he is still one of the elite tight ends in the game. He is still working with arguably the best quarterback in the game and with one of the great offensive minds. You do imagine that the Chiefs are going to spend a lot of time this offseason getting together the brain trust on offense and trying to figure out what went wrong and trying to figure out what how to make it right. Now, some of that is simple. Some of that's just upgrading the personnel, right? It's just about getting the right people in the right places, making sure you have wide receivers to sort of help out. I think this was the first year that you really saw how much they missed Tyreek Hill. You know, like last year, as you mentioned, they won a Super Bowl. They figured it out. Juju was enough. Uh, you know, Kadarius Tony showed up when they needed him to. It was enough last year. But this was the first year that they really missed that guy that could really tax a defense downfield. Marquez Valdez-Scantling scares no one. Rasheed Rice, they were basically using on, on short throws and letting him do yards after the catch, and that was sort of how that was working. Um, so that, you know, Kelsey's going to be an interesting test case this, this offseason about how much we believe in his talent uh, and how much we believe sort of in the rest of the tight end position, you know, beyond, you know, Laporta, uh, Mark Andrews when he's back healthy again. Um, you know, who else are we throwing in that group right now? I mean, I guess George Kittle to some extent, TJ Hawkins. Trey McBride is there because TJ Hawkinson is very unlikely to be ready in the early part of the season. So you know, that's something to sort of keep in mind. Um, Kelsey's going to be an interesting case, which perfectly gets us to the next thing that sort of went sideways. And that was the Chiefs offense as a whole. Now, we were expecting a lot out of this group because I think the, the mantra all year was, hey, man, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. They'll figure it out. It'll be OK. They were 12th in scoring offense, which is bad for this group. Uh, ninth in total yards. But they were fifth in passing offense, which isn't awful. So when you look at it, was it actually bad? 
or did we just have really high expectations? Both. I, I think it is. We had high expectations, but we had those high expectations because if any team should be held to the highest of, of expectations, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. They have the best quarterback in the league, the arguably the best tight end ever, one of the best head coaches ever, two Super Bowls. You know, we that, there's a reason we hold them to such a high standard. Uh, and... and they just were flat out not very good this year. I know like top 10 is you're like, okay, they're not bad. And they're, they're in the playoffs. They won their division again. Um, but especially for fantasy, it was bad. Uh, from week eight on, Patrick Mahomes averaged 14.5 fantasy points per game. That is less than Sam Howell, Geno Smith, Jake Browning, and Joshua Dobbs. The Pastronaut was averaging more <laughs> fantasy points per game in the second half of the season than the league MVP last year. And then I know we spent a lot of time on Travis Kelsey. He last finished as a top five tight end in week 12. Mm. He last was the tight end one in week seven. This was a player that was drafted in the first round rounds ahead of any other player at his position. Uh, Same thing with Mahomes. Like, it's not just the, okay, I took him early and he finished seventh. It's okay, I took him early over Josh Allen and over Jalen Hurts, who are good for five more points per week than Patrick Mahomes. So the opportunity cost is huge. And to me, if you took Mahomes in the third round, if you over those other quarterbacks, if you took Kelsey in the first round over some of these elite wide receivers, those were picks that defined your season more than likely and probably are the reason you didn't win a championship this year. Just like I know we're going to talk uh, uh, potentially some more disappointments later. We talked Austin Eckler. Like if you took Austin Eckler over Ty- uh, Tyreek Hill with the second or third pick in your draft, like that was a season defining move and one that could have cost you a championship. Yeah. I think, I think it really was a tale of two halves with this team, right? The first half, it was fine. And they looked for the most part fine. I mean, you know, they had those games with drops and we definitely, you know, were concerned about all that. Um, the second half, it really was bad. Um, you know, it was nice to find Rasheed Rice show up there and, and sort of establish himself as the number one wide receiver in this group. But, uh, you know, as he sort of ascended, then we saw less of Travis Kelsey being the game breaker in this offense. It it, it was not great. And I think I think it's going to be interesting too next year when we look and, you know, we'll look at, say, Patrick Mahomes and his overall fantasy scoring I mean, it's not what we're used to. He's still the QB7, right? We're going to look at it overall and say, all right, well, he was QB7. He had 280 points, I mean, through week 17. And I think then we start to break it down. You look at the back half, and you mentioned the fact that Josh Dobbs uh, was averaging more points. You look and you see a 13, a 13, a 15, a 16, a 12 in championship week, when if you somehow survived those other weeks, you really needed him. That's when we start to say, all right, there were issues because the first half look he was 19 21 25 there's a 13 followed by a 19 then a couple weeks later there's a 33 um i think that 33 against the chargers i really feel like that's when we're like okay well he's back he's figured it out we're gonna be fine now and then he followed that up with a five-point game <laughs> against the broncos uh and i think we really started to kind of have alarm bells go off there so I think when we start to break it down one by one, and I have a feeling that this is going to be one of the most dissected offenses across fantasy uh, in the offseason to see exactly mm-hmm. what went wrong and what exactly what needs to happen. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get to the bottom of of that, which makes me wonder, wh- where are you willing to draft Mahomes? He's obviously not the QB one next year. Is he top five, top eight? Where are you willing to take him? 
the latest I will take him is QB4. Um, because I still believe... So, look, Allen and Hurts need to be the top two quarterbacks off the board, I, I believe. Lamar versus Mahomes is a legit debate because in the last four years, twice Lamar has been way, been better and twice Mahomes has been better. And they've each had years where they've been the best. To me, I think those are the clear-cut top four. Joe Burrow... Uh, Justin Fields also could creep into the, he should be in the top five as well um, because of what he does with his legs. But like Burrow, Herbert, they don't run enough for me to take over Mahomes because we could easily look back at Patrick Mahomes career and be like, oh, that 2023 season was the clear outlier. He was awesome every other year. Um, They need to get more weapons there. They need to, I, I keep banking for them to like sign a Mike Evans or something like that, make a trade, something. But I I am hard-pressed to believe that they're going to go into this year with a similar room. It was easy to convince yourself last year, but even looking at last year, like it was the first year where he had more yards of yak than of actual in-the-air passing yards. It was the He broke the record for short yards touchdowns, and that was one thing that coming into the year, I was like, I wouldn't be banking on this Chiefs offense breaking records like this again uh, because it's not – like to me, Mahomes' strength – is the fact that he is a cannon for an arm and can beat you downfield. This is two years in a row now. We really haven't seen him get to utilize his full strength. So I'm hoping that they get more downfield stretchers. But even coming off of a down year, top four, maybe fifth at the absolute latest when we're talking about quarterbacks. First off, I, my, my, my early flag plant this year is that Lamar Jackson is going to be my QB1. Um, okay. That's like my it. early flag plant. You know, like what he did this year. Uh, the fact that he gets a full offseason with the Todd Monk and offense and gets a full offseason with Zay Flowers. Uh, hopefully he gets Mark Andrews back. We'll see what they do if they add any more pass catchers, whether free agency or the draft or what have you. Um, I think Lamar Jackson is going to get even better passing numbers uh, than he did this year. So he's my he's my number one. Then you have Allen and Hurts in some order. And. Yeah, at that point, I mean, I guess I could make an argument between Patrick Mahomes and a healthy Joe Burrow um, for that that fourth spot. But I, I don't think he falls out of the top five, I guess, is, is kind of where I'm going with this. What about Fields? If if Fields is with the Bears, let's say, and they added like a Marvin Harrison Jr. or something like that. Ooh, he's definitely in the conversation. So I think so. I, I guess that's going to be interesting, right? Because I've got my four or at least my top three laid out with Jackson, Allen and Hertz in some order. And then four through say six or seven gets a little bit murky because you have in some order, you've got, you know, healthy burrow, you've got Mahomes, uh, you've got Justin Fields. Do you discount Dak Prescott after what he did, especially in the second half of the season? Does he somehow factor into this conversation as well? That's going to be a really interesting group to try to sort out, I think, uh, next year. My my early thinking is of of the like Burrow, Dak, Mahomes, the guys who you rely more on the passing than the rushing. Um, if you ask me which one has the highest odds of throwing for five thousand and forty, it, it's Mahomes. That's why I would take him over those passing guys. Yeah, I just I'm I'm gonna be so curious what the Chiefs do this offseason. Do they chase a Mike Evans? Uh, you know, do they chase? I think if Michael Pittman somehow gets away from Indianapolis, do they go after him? There are a lot of good wide receivers. Marquise Brown. Are there? There are going to be a lot of good receivers on the free agent market this year, and the Chiefs, I think, have to be really aggressive in pursuing 
at least one, maybe a couple of these guys, and then maybe you know even bolstering that with something they do in the draft, because uh, that's going to make all the difference in how we look at Mahomes next year. Uh, a couple other quick things about the Chiefs offense. Was Rasheed Rice's year, was it real or a mirage in 2023? I think it's real. Um, I, I think he is a high-quality NFL wide receiver. Um I think he is kind of what I was hoping Kadarius Tony would be someone mm. that you could generate touches for and just put the ball in his hands and watch what he could do after the catch. And uh, that, that a lot of his production came on yak and stuff. The, the issue is I am not sold yet. If he is a NFL wide receiver one, I think he can be right. a really good number two uh, which is kind of what he was supposed to be this year with Travis Kelsey being the number one. He had to step up down the stretch. And there was times where it was like, okay, they're probably asking too much out of Rasheed Rice. Um, but I do think he can be a really, really good NFL wide receiver, a really good fantasy wide receiver. I just think he would be best suited with another wide receiver who could help stretch things down the field because then you create stuff underneath and then Rishi Rice could just run wild with the ball in his hands. I have. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain he is not a an NFL wide receiver one. I don't think that's really up for debate. The one thing I would love to see from Rasheed Rice going forward, I need an, a deeper average depth of target. Um, so much of it was underneath and so much of it was yards after catch, which is nice, but it also is a hard way to live consistently. Um, you know, if, if everything is within five yards of the line of scrimmage and then you are doing the rest on your own at some point that goes away or that's hard to get week to week. Uh, I need him to be more of a downfield guy, but He's proven that he can, you know, be a playmaker in this offense. Uh, I don't know if you saw, I guess, because he, he had a, a deep catch, uh, I don't know if it was past week or week 16, uh, where he basically was like, yeah, he's like, I just sort of freelanced it. He said, I, I looked at the defense. I saw something. Patrick saw the same thing. I just went deep and we made it work. Now, if they can sort of get more things like that, then I'm all in, super all in on Rasheed Rice. So I'm not going to say it was a mirage, but I do want a little bit more than what he gave me in terms of of getting downfield this past year. Uh, last one on the Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, is he a is he an RB one? Is he a fringe RB one? Is he a high RB two? Where where do you have him next year? I think he is a fringe RB one uh, because the pass game usage, and that was my big concern coming into this year. I, I kept saying like, I know this guy can run well. I, I know that, but he had fourteen targets as a rookie. Uh, he had 49 this past year, and that's despite only playing 14 games. So we could see if, if there's an even bigger, you know, focus on getting him the ball. Maybe we don't see as much Clyde edwards Lair or Jarek McKinnon uh, early in the season like we did this year. And if that's the case, then, yeah, he, he could easily be an RB1 for fantasy purposes. I think they have kind of felt comfortable giving him more of a lead running back role. Um, and, and I think that's going to be noteworthy if he can sort of keep that. And look, if the Chiefs can improve the passing game and you know you don't have defenders kind of creeping up to the line of scrimmage because everything was pretty short uh, for the Chiefs. They, they played pretty close to the line of scrimmage. If they can stretch the field a little bit more, I think that only helps. Um, so I, I, I like him more as a high-end running back too. If I could get him sort of in that range, say, what, round five? Is that reasonable? For, for Pacheco next year? I I could see the, like four, five, six, something like that. All right. Yeah, so if I can get him fifth round, I think I feel good about that next year. Um, 
We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we do have some more things that were disappointing. Plus, we'll have our DFS preview coming up in just a little bit. Taking a quick break here on the NFL Fantasy Football Pod. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, so we talked about the disappointing first round. We talked about the Chiefs offense. I wanted to pick out just kind of a trio of people or groups, however you want to describe it, that just sort of uh, left us a little bit wanting this year. The first one being Tony Pollard. Uh, there was so much conversation about him this past offseason, the fact that Zeke was gone and the sky's the limit, and he just kind of flopped in that regard. Should we have seen that coming? It's hard. I, I was very bullish on Tony Pollard. I will take that, that big L. But the thing is, I've seen people say like, oh, look, he can't handle a, a starter's workload. He has... 40 more carries than he had last season. It's not like it's he went from 100 to 250 carries or something like that. And and uh, to me, a big thing is the pass game numbers went down like on a per game basis. Only 10 more targets than last season. Fewer receiving yards despite having 14 more catches than last season. Uh, I think there's two lessons here when it comes to Tony Pollard. He had a pretty severe injury at the end of last season. And I think the mistake that I made and other people who trusted Tony Pollard was thinking that he was just naturally going to get back to what he was pre-injury. I think it's a good reminder that when players are coming off severe injuries, there are heightened risk. Uh, I also think it's a good reminder that when offensive changes are made and they they have a completely new play caller, they they lost Kellen Moore. um, That also, I think led to a lot of changes. We're seeing the Cowboys pass a lot more and a lot more downfield and stuff, which I thought was going to be the opposite with Mike McCarthy. But And for the first like six weeks, it was. And then after their bye week, they realized, hey, let's throw the ball downfield and their offense <laughs> caught fire. So it's just going to give me more pause next season when there's a lot of changes being made to certain teams. And, and I think it's something I tried to do this year was target players on good offenses that not a whole lot has changed. Um, and it is something that I'm definitely going to emphasize next year. In the early rounds, I think you want to mitigate as much unknown as possible. I think we all got sort of taken in by Mike McCarthy telling us how much they're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball a lot. We're going to get a whole lot of touches for Tony Pollard. And we all sort of bought into that. And that was certainly not the case. And then, as you mentioned, they got to the second half of the season and they looked up and they realized that, hey, man, we got this dude, C.D. Lamb, and he's really good. And maybe we should try to focus on getting him the football as much as possible. And they did. And that sort of although I think in a way that sort of helped take some of the pressure off Tony Pollard, because I think that combined with, as you mentioned, him getting a little bit healthier. We saw him be a little bit more productive in the second half of the season. But I think all the factors you mentioned are very much in play. You had a guy who was coming off an injury. You had a coaching staff that was sort of changing its philosophy and how it does things. Um, I think those were all things to take into effect. I admit I was one of those people who originally was like, well, you know, can he still be as effective 
when he is the focal point of the running game, when he is getting all those touches, or was he a guy who thrived in a situation where uh, you know, there was another guy to sort of take some of that pressure off of him? Could he be the same? Uh, but I started to come around. I mean, when Ezekiel Elliott left and signed in New England and you heard a lot of talk about how much they wanted to run the ball, I started to come around and believe that, okay, maybe Pollard can be that guy. I think next year, I would be surprised, Mike, if they give him a true workhorse role. I think they go out and they find somebody, whether it's, you know, whether it's signing somebody, drafting somebody, or just elevating somebody that's already on the roster uh, and giving them a bigger opportunity next year. You know, maybe it's more Rico Dowdle. Maybe Deuce Vaughn uh, starts to get more opportunities. I don't think we're going to see Tony Pollard get, you know, he's at 288 touches right now. I don't think he gets close to that number next year. I think you're looking at him maybe down around 250, you know, something like that. And they they start kind of spreading that around uh, just to fewer touches, hopefully higher efficiency and making him more productive that way. But I do think he will be drafted accordingly, too. <laughs> I don't think yeah. the hype's, the hype's going to be as great for him. Um, in Jacksonville, we were excited about the Jaguars offense. I know you and I said, you know, the one caveat was that there were a lot of wide receiver mouths to feed. But we still were in on, on Calvin Ridley. We were very much in on Trevor Lawrence. Both of those guys sort of let us down this year. Are you willing to buy back in or are you tempering expectations for next year? Both, I think. Oh, because I do not think we're going to see either one of these two pulled up like uh, up the board like they were this year. And I was a huge factor in that for, I guess, the little influence that we have uh, with what everyone does in fantasy. Trevor Lawrence was someone that I thought was a top eight fantasy quarterback, and I thought he would take that next step. I thought he'd be a potential MVP candidate this year. It, it just and I know he's dealt with every injury under the sun, but he also just didn't take that next step. Uh, Calvin Ridley. It's a big season of what ifs for Calvin Ridley yeah. because every yeah. week has been a game of like, what if he caught this amazing touchdown catch? Is he going to come down with it or not? But I thought he'd be a wide receiver one. And the fact that we saw trends where like, he's better when Zay Jones is out there to me, that's not a wide receiver, a real life wide receiver one. The fact that Christian Kirk was still taking as much volume and for a large portion of the season was their go-to guy. To me, Calvin Ridley is better suited as like a wide receiver two. Maybe, maybe he falls to wide receiver three. I think he'll go as a wide receiver two. Uh, Boomer bust. You know that when taking him as a wide receiver one was hoping for the ceiling and we didn't get it. So I'll be in on them next year if the price is reduced from what it was this year. I think I think the price is going to be reduced. I don't Me see too. any way around that. Now the question is though, does that price flip flop with Christian Kirk? Because last season. It was, you know, we all pointed and laughed because the Jaguars gave him this big contract. Everybody's like, ah, it's Christian Kirk. And then he went out and he balled. We're like, oh, okay. And then this year, Calvin Ridley comes back. And we're like, well, hey, man, if Calvin Ridley is like what we saw the last time he was on the field, he's the wide receiver one. And Christian Kirk got bumped down and he still balled out and was the better of the receivers until he got hurt. Next year, are we willing to flip that thinking and say that, hey, Christian Kirk is the wide receiver one. He's the guy that needs to go first. Or do we fall back into the old trap? No, I think I think Christian Kirk is the wide receiver one here. The one who needs he is the far more safe option. I, I could see it being a situation, Marcus, where like at the end of the year, they finish pretty close to each other in points. 
But Christian Kirk is going to be like the steady one week to week. And Calvin Ridley is going to be like the up and down better and best ball type of wide receiver. Cause I had him on a number of rosters. I know a lot of people out there did and, he was too good where you couldn't sit him. He's like good Gabe Davis in a sense. We're like <laughs> too good to sit, but some weeks you're going to be getting six points and other weeks you're going to be getting 26 points. And you just kind of got to go with him uh, each week. So I do think Kirk should be first. I don't think either one of them, though, should be wide receiver ones for fantasy. I think they are both better suited as wide receiver twos. I think, well, I think Christian Kirk is a high end wide receiver too. At this point, Calvin Ridley's maybe a low wide receiver too, maybe even a wide receiver a three, three yeah. just because the, the consistency hasn't been there. And I think that's the thing that's sort of holding him back. And I think with Trevor Lawrence, we're at a point where, yeah, he did have some injuries this year. Uh, it's been such a weird career for him, right? Because his rookie year was almost a redshirt year because it was the Urban Meyer year, which was such an unmitigated disaster in Jacksonville that it's, it's hard to put anything that happened on him because it was just such a bad year. Uh, this year, he was beat up a little bit. But I think now, I think we've all sort of settled on the fact that he's maybe not going to be that generational quarterback that he was touted to be coming out of Clemson. Um, not that he's bad. He's going to be a good, serviceable quarterback, but that's going to be it. He'll be a good quarterback. I don't know that he's going to be a great quarterback. And I think you're going to see him sort of fall. Uh, I don't know. He'll be QB, you know, 11, 12, sort of somebody like that. I mean, he's Trevor Lawrence will be the guy that you draft, but you'll also draft another quarterback because you're not going to count on him on a weekly basis for your fantasy roster. Like, look, early, early flag plant, uh, flag plant. Give me Anthony Richardson over Trevor Lawrence next. Oh, 100%. No, 100%. Um, he's going to give you more rushing upside. And we're still waiting to see what he can be as a passer. And I think that what could be is going to be enough to get us excited uh, about him next year, for sure. Uh, last one, Devontae Adams. Uh, it was not a great year. In my head, I was like, hey, does this mean he's not quarterback proof? And then I thought about it. And like, he's never played with terrible quarterbacks. I mean, he had Aaron Rodgers for most of his career. Then he had one year of playing with like his good buddy, Derek Carr. Like they knew each other well, like they worked well together. This year was the first year he really didn't have good, true quarterback play. Assuming nothing major happens this offseason, is he still a top 10 wide receiver? Very fringe. I think if you were asking me to rank like the top 10 wide receivers in real life purposes next season, yeah, he's easily a top 10 talent. Uh, but he's going to be 31 years old. Well, he just turned 31 like last week. He finished in total points as the wide receiver 11 this year. I don't, I think that's getting overlooked in the, the grand scheme of things. We saw a lot of high-end Devontae games still where he gave you like 28, 30 fantasy points. The issue is the floor was lower than it ever has been. Like he was always one. There was a season a couple of years ago where I think he scored 15 or more points every single week. Yeah. Uh, this week, like he had a game a couple of weeks ago where he had less than two fantasy points and Coming into the year, I actually did write an article saying, like, I have concerns for Devontae for the first time in his career because he's a downfield, like one of the best downfield weapons in the league. And he's playing with it was Jimmy G, but then the backup, like they all rely on Yak. He's not really a Yak guy. Um, so to me, the answer really depends on who is the quarterback for the Raiders next year, because uh if they bring in someone like Gardner Minshew or someone like that, I could see Devontae Adams falling out of the top 10. But if they, I don't know, let's say they got like a Jameis Winston, sign me up for that and I will be all over taking Devontae Adams as a top 10 wide receiver still. 
Yeah, I just the quarterback is such a big deal and who they go get. Uh, I mean, I'm scrolling, you know, people with their different opinions. And, you know, do they I can't imagine they stay with Aiden O'Connell because he's not the answer for them long term. You know, they're they're going to be out of the running because they draft so late. They're not going to be able to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. Um, maybe a Michael Penix is there. But you're right. The quarterback situation is going to have a lot to do with it. Um, I still think he's a guy that gets drafted in the top 12, but I think it's closer to 12 <laughs> than it has been in the past because the talent is still there. And he still did have some of those big games. They just weren't as consistent uh, as we were used to seeing. So um, anyway, those are some of the disappointments we had. I'm sure there were plenty more. We probably could have done a couple hours on them, but that's just <laughs> sadness that I don't really want to you know, inflict upon anybody for uh, a couple of hours. Uh, week 18, though, still happening across the NFL. People still playing, whether it's DFS, whether it's uh, other forms of sweating things out. Dare I say sports betting? We're going to get blacklisted, are we? Because I just said that out loud. Um, <laughs> Check your email. I know, right? <laughs> if I'm not here next week, you guys know what happened. Uh, but anyway, week 18 is happening. We figured we'd do a little DFS preview for you. Uh, first question, though. Week 18 lineups, always a little bit dicey. Uh, you know, we know there are a number of starting quarterbacks not playing. Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Joe Flacco, Matthew Stafford, all confirmed to be resting. We may learn more names uh, as we get closer to Saturday and Sunday. Uh, how do you approach putting together lineups for these Week 18 games? I think you avoid all of those teams that you said because the quarterbacks and like, I know the Shanahan has said, well, Brock is the only player I'm 100% not playing at all this. But that could mean Debo Samuel plays a drive and then we we don't see him again. IU, Kittle, all of those guys. So to me, I think, look, maybe if you're playing in like a, a big tournament and you want to differentiate and you take a shot on one of these guys. But I think the play is to play it safe and just avoid those teams like Puka Nakua. I know he's going for history. He needs four catches to set the rookie record in something like 30 yards. What if he gets four for 30 in the first quarter and then they pull him? Like, like that is in the range of outcomes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's in the range of outcomes. I'm I'm with you. Like the the top line guys on teams that have nothing to gain, those are the guys you avoid, right? The the Ravens and the Niners have the one seed locked up. The Rams can't really move up or down regardless of what they do. I feel like the same for, you know, the Chiefs or the Browns. So the frontline guys on those teams, I think you stay away from. I would also say for some of these teams, maybe you avoid the late games because there are some teams playing early or some teams playing late, I should say, that you know, depending on what happens in the morning could impact what they do in the afternoon. That's always something to sort of be aware of. You mentioned the Puka Nakua thing. I think, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk on social media about guys chasing incentives. That's a dicey game to play just because mm -hmm. if a guy hits it, as you mentioned, like what? Puka gets his four catches, his 30 yards, and uh, then it's see you later. And, you know, then what? So uh, that's a, a, a dicey, dicey game to play when you're talking about setting a lineup this week. Uh, one, though, to give you some best value picks. Uh, we each have three, so I'll let you go three, two, one. Uh, your best value picks for Daily Fantasy this week. I'll admit, I think I uh, misunderstood the assignment. I gave my like three, <laughs> uh, three. One of them is a good value. Two of them are not values, but mm -hmm. I think are great plays this week. Number three is Josh Allen. I know he's the most expensive quarterback at eighty three hundred on DraftKings. Uh, he is also one of the few elite quarterbacks that has a whole lot to like. 
it could be, and you all know this already, it could be a win and you're the two seed, lose and you're out kind of game for Josh Allen. So uh, he is going to play the whole game. There is a huge incentive behind him to play well, and, and we know he can always run and stuff. Similar is why Rashad White was number two for me at 7,600 because great matchup against the Carolina Panthers. They allow a bunch of yards, touchdowns, all of that. Two running backs, uh, plus... The Bucs need to win this game to win the division. So he is going to be out there getting his full allotment of, of snaps and work and all of that. And then the one that you could say is actually a value here is Darius Slayton uh, at 4,000 for the, the New York Giants. Look at his last two games with, with Tyrod Taylor. I, against the Eagles on Christmas Day, three catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Doesn't sound like a whole lot. It wasn't a whole lot when it was Tommy Cutlets, but when Tyrod came in, he caught that 69-yard touchdown. And then last week, six targets, four catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown, 80-yard touchdown. So the big plays are there for Slayton with Tyrod Taylor. The Eagles have really struggled in the secondary, especially downfield. So I, I think Darius Slayton is a really good play in Week 18. All right, uh, I'll get that. I'll get behind those. Uh, for me, uh, I got Tucker Craft at 3,700. Uh, he really has picked it up since Luke Musgrave went on injured reserve, got a good matchup against the Bears. Uh, the Packers, uh, it's not exactly win and they're in. They could lose and still, you know, if some other things happen, they could still get in. But winning for sure cements them as in the playoffs. Uh, and the Bears have struggled against tight ends. Their defense has gotten better overall, still struggled against tight ends. And having crafted 3,700 gives you some flexibility in other places. Uh, Brandon Cooks. Now, I will say this. I think C.D. Lamb is totally worth paying up for against the Commanders because the Cowboys do have something to play for. They can still win the division uh, and possibly get a two seed here. So they really have a reason to go all out. Uh, Brandon Cooks, though, in case you don't want to pay up for C.D. Lamb, I think is a very good value at 5200 And then maybe my top value of the week, James Conner. Yeah, it's $6,100, but that's not the top. That's not close to being the highest uh, salaried running back on the board. He's been on absolute heaters. Putting up good numbers against good run defenses. This week, he gets a bad run defense in the uh, Seattle Seahawks. I think I looked it up since week eight, I believe it is. Actually, maybe even more recent than that. This is like week 12. Uh, the Seahawks have given up like a thousand rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. I mean, they have been just getting hammered on the ground. So James Conner doing well against bad against good defenses. I think trucks a bad defense. And I feel like the Cardinals... They want to finish strong. They've had a good end of the season. I, I imagine you're going to see a lot of their starters for a while because I think they just want to end the season on a positive note as much as possible. So I think Connor is uh, a fairly safe option for you there. Uh, we also put together full lineup. So uh, if you would like to run through your full lineup, please do. All of my values are in mind. Josh Allen at quarterback, Rashad White. I got DeAndre Swift because he had a great game against the Giants just a couple weeks ago. And the Eagles have something to play for, just like uh, you were saying with the Cowboys. I have Darius Slayton in there. Uh, Nico Collins, because the Texans have a whole, they could still win that division. They need to win to even just make the, it's a winning in game for them. So I think they are going to have a lot of incentive there. Uh, and then I got Khalil Shakir for cheap. And Dalton Kincaid is my tight end, kind of going with a Bills stack there. Uh, and then... Jordan Mason, because we know no CMC this week, uh, and the Rams are sitting a bunch of players defensively. Uh, and then I have the Chargers defense because they are cheap and they are playing backups because the Chiefs we know are going to be sitting Patrick Mahomes. 
All right. Uh, so for me, I went Dak Prescott at quarterback again. I think the uh, the Cowboys have a lot to play for. I expect to see Dak for a good chunk of that game. I did take James Conner as one of my values. Zeke is my other running back. Uh, I think, you know, look, the Patriots, Jets, it's sort of because the schedule makers said so. But I do think Zeke's going to get some work. Uh, Fifty nine hundred. I was willing to take the risk. I did pay up for C.D. Lambs, pair him with Dak Prescott against the commanders this week. I also took Calvin Ridley. I know we just had a whole long conversation about him, but the Jaguars need a win. I think he gets heavily targeted against that Tennessee secondary. So uh, I was willing to take the risk on Calvin Ridley this week. Tucker Craft, I has my tight end, my third wide receiver. I went with Ronnie Bell. You took Jordan Mason for the Niners. I took Ronnie Bell because I don't expect we're going to see a ton of Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel in this one. Uh, we saw Ronnie Bell last week catch a touchdown or a couple weeks ago catch a touchdown. Um, in that game against the uh, the Ravens when it sort of got out of hand. I think he's a guy who gets a lot of run. And him and Sam Darnold seem to work well together. Uh, I mentioned Tucker Craft at tight end. Wandale Robinson, I'm using as the flex against that Philly secondary, which still has issues. And even with Tyrod there at quarterback, uh, I think they can exploit that. And I'm going to go with the Lions defense going against whomever the Vikings quarterback may be. I assume it's going to be Nick Mullins this week. Um Actually, yeah, I think they announced already. It's Nick Mullins. So I will take the Lions defense to get some picks and sacks on Nick Mullins. 3,100 that rounded it out with no dollars left. So uh, there you go. Those were our daily fantasy lineups for week 18. Best of luck to you if you are playing the DFS uh, slate. Uh, I guess best of luck because I know there are people out there still playing season long leagues, right? I mean, you shouldn't be. It's not. I I don't recommend it. But if that's what you do, I'm not going to (laughs) kink shame. Um, so, you know, you do you, I've gotten, you know, I've gotten several questions. I'm sure you've gotten several questions. I'm looking at one right now asking if I would pick up and play, uh, Tyler Huntley or Carson Wentz. I'm weirdly leaning toward Carson Wentz. I don't know if that's crazy or not. Um, but this is, is. this is why look, I'm not going to shame you. Like Marcus said, but this is just why you do not like, I just don't want 18. I don't want that headache. I have to figure out Tyson, uh, you know, Tyler Huntley or Carson Wentz. I just don't. But uh, good luck to all of you who are out there playing. And again, congratulations to those of you uh, who may have already won a fantasy championship. But uh, that will do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy Week 18, everybody. And we will talk to you again next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.